On this week's Merge Conflict, we take a look at those pesky but oh-so-essential in-app purchases. We talk about the ins and outs of what it takes to enable and test them in your application and talk about all the things that you shouldn't do because I did them. All that and more on this week's Merge Conflict. Frank, I want to do something this week that we've never done before. What's that? I want to maybe, if you allow it, let us maybe talk for a few minutes about something that we talked about in a previous episode. Is Uh-oh. that okay? <laughs> We're back in tradition, but uh, yeah, a little bit of follow-up. Ooh, follow-up. I like that. Yes, yeah. I like that. We, we, You know, we've gone 27, 20 some odd eight episodes never talking about a previous episode, really, I don't think. <laughs> And uh, I'm really excited this week. I'm really excited. I couldn't and, be more excited. Can I make a guess as to why you're excited? Is it going to be some high-profile company release some shiny new product? Uh, it could be. It could be the fact that I stayed up uh, until 11 p.m. in Sandusky, Ohio, and I was at Codemash to watch the Nintendo Switch unveiling. Uh, yes, it was live broadcast Nintendo. from Tokyo. And I live tweeted the entire event with my good friend Michael S. Rivette. Uh, so I, I apologize to all my Twitter followers, but I let you know ahead of time that for the next hour, it was an onslaught of tweets. And uh, I'm pretty stoked. And because so- in, epi- in episode 20, or no, wait, episode 16, something like that, we talked about uh, the Nintendo Switch and kind of the room of mobile gaming and where Nintendo was going. So it was a big unveil. I'm very excited to talk about it. So I, I'm I'm just curious. Uh, I thought we knew everything about the switch, or was this an actual like revelation? Like you actually learned about it? So to me, I, I have some good friends and some good podcasts I listen to that you know, a product isn't a product until it's in my hands. Right? <laughs> I mean, it was just a video really yeah. um, for a long time. So they really unveiled the price point, which is two ninety nine, which is about fifty dollars, whatever over whatever it what mm-hmm. everyone thought. They unveiled some new games. They unveiled the launch date. They launched um, pre-orders. I have three pre-orders in right now because I don't trust any of the of the companies to actually deliver it to me. Um, and and then all the accessories, everything that you can buy, essentially, is an hour long um, hubbub, if you will. So you're getting three switches, which is three little iPad devices and some connector to the TV and a little controller. Yeah, correct. The, the Joy-Con controllers, which are the ones that snap in and out of the the right. switch to make it portable or not. And uh, they packed in, uh, you think our smartphones have some technology, into this little tiny remote um, controller, the Joy-Con. They packed in like NFC, IR, um, they call this thing HD Rumble, which they say that you'll be able to tell like if, let's say you hold it up and they simulate uh, ice cubes dropping, you would know that it's one or two or three or how big they were based on the HD Rumble. Um, There is, uh, what else is inside of it? Yeah, the NFC, there's like extra buttons to do like snapshots of games. There's like a whole bunch of things on it. And apparently they have a 20 hour battery life, which is crazy. Um, Wow. So definitely buy three of them, not a six pack, just three. Well, the cool part here is that a lot of the games, you can actually put it on its side. And then if you have one controller set, you can, me and you can play. So I can just come over and with just my party, you got to have multiple switches party mode. Yeah. And and then that's the cool thing that they're doing. They're, they're making it so there's local Wi-Fi. So if you and I, we both have one and we, I just come over, boom, we're playing. You could be on your TV. It could not be on my TV. Uh, that's really cool. Of course, they have an internet service, of course. Uh, why wouldn't they? You better yeah. keep two of them. I'm not sure if I'm going to buy one. <laughs> you better <laughs> just keep one in your apartment. I'm definitely I'm definitely buying. I definitely am keeping all three. One is already reserved for a friend. <laughs> and I'm against scalping of systems like that. So I will not be reselling them at anything over face value. So I have some friends that <laughs> did not stay up until three in the morning when Amazon sent their stuff up. <laughs> um, I definitely was there. It was really exciting to me because we talked a lot about Super Mario Run, which is in it in its um, which is actually kind of one of our topics for today's uh, podcast mm-hmm. um, is came out. I absolutely love it. There is an onslaught of one star reviews. People <laughs> bickering about an application and spending some money. Heaven forbid. Uh, but it was really interesting. They came out and was interesting about Nintendo as a fanboy. Is they came out with this really big keynote. It wasn't just a video. It wasn't like that. It was it was very Japanesey, if you will. So it was a Japanese press conference. It wasn't a U.S. press conference. And uh, what they did is they ended it. They went through all these at all these different game creators on. They ended it with this huge Zelda trailer that just was like mind blowing. Oh, okay. Now you have my attention. It, I mean, and, Mario's yeah. cute. I like watching him run, but yeah, I'll always be a 
Zelda person. And they, it's it's a launch title. The new Zelda is a launch title. Mm-hmm. There's only five games at launch, <laughs> so and it is the only one that people call classic it. Nintendo. Classic Nintendo. It's fine. Yes, <laughs> I think it's an interesting point. I was pretty excited about it. I will say though, so it was all in Japanese with uh, English voiceovers, mm. which was very interesting. I've never really. Um, <laughs> watch some Netflix series that are in other in, in foreign languages some movies but what was interesting is that each presenter had their own voiceover translator and some of them were very excited and some of them were not and that really changed the tone of the <laughs> of the of the whole thing for me do you think there was any politics involved was it just one game company got the uh, unenthusiastic translator you, I I wonder if they okay, pick their own <laughs> I don't know Ooh, yeah I yeah. it was it, it was very strange but uh uh, it was good. It was it was worth oh, that's cool. watching. It's like an Apple yeah. event, but for Nintendo enthusiasts. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what is just high level me? Uh, what's the difference between a Japanese presentation and, say, an uh, Apple presentation? I Nintendo think that's so, Apple. Yeah. So so here's what happened is the president. So imagine so the, the this is the, imagine this was an Apple event. Like I'm going to say what happened in Nintendo, but translate try, try to translate that to an Apple event. The president of Nintendo comes out and he goes, I'm so excited for everyone to be here. We're going to talk about the Switch. Here's what's going to happen. It's coming out on March 3rd. It's $299. Here's everything <laughs> in the box. Oh, wow. He just threw it all at you. Okay. He dropped He dropped it all in the first 90 seconds. Ah, that's not how you do a show. You got to lead up to it. You got to play around in the beginning. So then, then they went into the like game reveals and feature reveals, and then they did one more thing. So those those would be kind of the differences, I would say. But uh, no, was, one more thing with Nintendo, right? The one more. So also, what was kind of funny is that for the one more thing, they said, you know, we we were here in Japan, but we have special messages from Nintendo UK and Nintendo of America. Sorry, Nintendo of Europe and Nintendo of America. So they cut cut over to the president of Nintendo of Europe, uh, and then they went to Reggie Reggie Fizeme, who's the president of uh, Nintendo of America, mm-hmm. and uh, he was there with Shigeru Miyamoto uh, and the creator of Zelda, or the the current yeah the, the guys that had worked on Zelda, and uh, they kind of like you know we don't want to spoil anything we got to kick it back over to Tokyo and, and and let you guys really like unveil it or whatever, and that's when they went into the Zelda trailer. So it was very interesting. Uh, okay, now I have to look it up on YouTube. Yeah. So anyways, I, I recommend watching about an hour um, or, I, you know, honestly, there's there's a few videos like uh, IGN uh, and Engadget uh, and, and things like that. They do like the Nintendo, Good recap. the entire Nintendo press conference in five minutes, you know, YouTube react videos. <laughs> you know what? I t- I'm trying to stay away from it. But uh, anyways, I'm getting it. I just wanted to kind of recap it. And what's interesting is that it's a new time for Nintendo doing uh, Super Mario Run. It's been a new time for me. Uh, which kind of brings us to what I want to talk about today. Uh, yes, sir. Get away from the Switch a little bit. Um, I'm sure when it comes out in Mar- on March 3rd, um, I'll have more to say on it. But, but this, uh, was, this was very necessary follow-up. I mean, this was important to you. I could see you just uh, counting down the days and minutes till yes. you could pre-order three of them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I originally had five, and then I canceled Walmart. So <laughs> it's okay. Uh, anyways, I, I digress. Well, they kept coming up, and I kept clicking by. So... Uh, what's interesting is over the holiday, uh, I built an application called um, Scoreboard. Bravo. I saw it on Twitter. I retweeted it. I'm a good friend. Mm-hmm. I, oh. I also did a lightning talk on it at CodeMash about how I built an app in, the, oh. in a week, oh. which is cool. Is that something to brag about? <laughs> does um, a week mean like I, I went really fast or does a week mean, look, the tools are so sophisticated, anyone can write an app in a week? What's your judgment? Uh, what's a I week? I was trying to... I was trying to do a little bit of both. And granted, this was a week in my spare time. So it really wasn't fully, you know, nonstop <laughs> yeah, in a week, sure. 40 hours, 24 hours yeah. a day. You didn't have a boss. Yeah, I think what I wanted to say was that there's so many great tools. So I built this application. Well, we could probably do a whole episode on it. But uh, I built this this scoreboard application because Heather and I were playing a board game, uh, Corkle, which is an amazing okay. board game. <laughs> have you ever German? played it? No, I haven't heard of this one. So it's like little tiles and it's pattern matching. You'll you'll love it. You should come over and play. It sounds like an intellectuals game. I tend to pass on those. <laughs> it, it, it's really good. It, it's, it's just like pattern matching and color matching tiles. It's really fun. Okay. And and the problem is that it's a pretty long game. It's about a half an hour or so. Mm-hmm. And, and it's you just had two- some, 
scoring disputes, I'm guessing, during this game? Well, the first thing we had to do is find pen and paper, which was a hot mess. <laughs> and uh, some crayons and some like back of an envelope or something. You are. This is exactly what happened. I was like, I don't even know. I'm like ripping open the printer. I'm just like, how do I do this? You know, <laughs> what's paper? What is it? What, what is this thing? It's like when someone asks you to write a check. I'm like, I don't even know what is a check. Is that is it, people? How do you even cash? That? What do I do with this? How someone hands me what do I do? What, what slot that? do I insert it into? <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. Uh, and that's what happened. So I built this application to keep track of scores. We use SQLite Net. It was all offline. Oh, it was great. Awesome. Uh, so scores. So it's a generic scorekeeper. So there's like a plus one button and a minus one button, and you just keep hitting it until you both agree. Uh, well, so what I do is you can do that, or uh, what I have is little number entry. So ideally, at the end of a round, you would say um, I scored fifty points. You, Frank scored 100 points, and then I'm mm. on to the next round. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it keeps track of all your scores, all of your games, all of the players that you've ever added, and you can enter, modify them, things like that. And it's up to four players just because I, I kept the user interface that it was just at four to make it convenient for me. Now I have to ask the nerdy feature. Do you have mesh networking so everyone can see a mirrored copy of the scoreboard on their own phones? <laughs> Well, if you have yes. Chromecast on your, <laughs> no, that's cheating. Your, well, that is a good idea, though. To be honest with you, I'm not. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. Multi-device syncing, it'd be cool. Did I mention that I built this app in a week? Um, <laughs> Did I mention I have problems with that? <laughs> yeah. So, so it was it was Xamarin Forms app. I used Raygun. I used um, I used uh, I already wrote this uh, blog post on how I did iOS and Android ads with yeah. apps. Our episode 18, which is actually. One of our most popular episodes ever. Uh, we, Reminding, I, we did a what was it? What was that? What did we talk about? Episode that 18. Was, episode 18 was ads plus question mark equals Aha, profit. I see. People mm-hmm. like it when you talk about money. Yeah, oh. they like that that money. So I had never monetized anything before, and I decided to put ads in Meetup Manager, my other application. I wrote all these custom renderers for Xamarin Forms. I blogged about it. Mm-hmm. And I was really able to kind of iterate on this. And... What happened here is I released the application for free, the scoreboard application, the and scoreboard. I put ads in it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I put ads in it. One ad, which was on the scoreboard page, so it would be a banner at the very top. It was just there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the first thing that my friend Seth Juarez from Channel 9 mm-hmm. asked me was, can I pay you 99 cents and remove these ads? And I said, uh, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Uh, okay, so basically you're saying that episode is caught up with you because I think we had mentioned that, yes, have ads. It's a good way to get a free app out there. But pretty quickly, you pretty much have to give people a way to get rid of the ads because, I don't know, people like me, I can't stand looking at ads in an app. There has to be a way to get rid of them. Yeah, it bugs me. Whenever whenever I see, and it bugs me, but it hurts me because it's like I wanted to test it in my own apps. Like I feel that they... They could be a little bit profitable. Probably the removal of ads is more profitable. Um, it's a good test, at least. Yeah, it's a good test. And I was like, you know, I think this application is simple enough. It's not in your face. Or I never do in, uh, the interrestrial ads where they're the full page ads. Oh, I don't God. do those. No. I was using a downloader app while I was traveling and I was being cheap and I just got the free version and they did those interstitials. It was every time you switched over to the app and oh, I was pulling my hair out. Not enough to pay for it, though, oddly enough. <laughs> yeah, I use, I've used Astro as a file manager on, on Android forever. It has so many ads and so many. They're called interstitials. Is that what it is? Interstitials? Uh, sounds like a good word. Yeah, I call them interterrestrials because oh, they show yeah. up and you don't want them there. Um, and uh, I never do those, even though it's built into the SDK. Oh, this and is the Google SDK you use? I use the the Google AdMob SDK for both iOS oh, and Android. Okay. It, from Google, yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. And I had tried the Facebook ad one at one time and, and Facebook rejected my app because some <laughs> of the functionality was too similar to Facebook. So they said oh, I Lordy. <laughs> okay. I said I know Google doesn't care because they don't care about anything. They just want to show some ads. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, I will say, once I put these ads in there, was that you can actually insert your own ads to promote your other apps. Oh, I like that. Yeah. For free. Uh, yeah, it was actually kind of cool. I was like, oh, uh, and you can promote other stuff in there so you too. you just put them up on a server, throw in a bunch of URLs, that kind of thing? Or do you they host them? 
Yeah, so they'll host your images and the text that you want. So uh, when you go to your ad mob, you create a new campaign and it's a campaign for your own apps inside of your app type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you can actually do like third, I think I have one for merge conflict. Like I created a little merge conflict one. Yeah, so, so you can create your own ads and, and insert them into your app. You just don't get paid for them, obviously. So. <laughs> Something like that, something weird. I don't, I think it's whenever they can't, like when if they can't fill the ad spot, they want, they'd rather put something there than nothing. So. Yeah, and just for the listener, the reason I'm asking is because honestly, it's it's hard to get word of mouth out about an app. Like uh, maybe I can get word out about say Kelka, but then people find Kelka, they buy Kelka, they're happy with Kelka. But it turns out I have a lot of apps that people who like Kelka would also enjoy. So yeah. being able to promote your app within your app, it's something we all kind of do. Like we sneak it into the about page or something like that. But mm-hmm. if you're serving ads, you might as well put up a nice ad <laughs> that promotes one of your other apps that you think someone else would be interested in. So that's why I'm quizzing James here at uh, if you're going to do a free app, uh, <laughs> do it well. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I will say like putting ads in your application is not going to make you the next millionaire uh, on it. I mean, I've made $4.39 so far. Ouch. Okay. That should be a little higher. <laughs> we got to get uh, some word of mouth out about this. I don't have, I don't have that many downloads and this is only in two applications, right? My meetup manager app and this new app. So, um, but this is all before the remove the ad in app that we're going to talk about right so that's the thing is i have the ads in the app people want to remove the ads and they say in-app purchase is the way to go they want the in-app purchase i've been against learning in-app purchases apis (laughs) for the last uh six years i don't even know if they existed six years ago developers are afraid of money (laughs) it's like a money related api and you're just like oh god i don't the error handling the whatever the server issues i just don't want to deal with it uh yeah Yeah. i always those were my apprehensions before i started yeah i was doing who who does the podcast with uh manton reese um daniel delkett Yes. Daniel Jelkett. <laughs> I think I reversed yeah. that. <laughs> Daniel, so, so Daniel told Manton. Manton kicked, uh, created a Kickstarter. Everyone should. I'll, I'll link to it. There's 16 days ago, as of t- our recording today, um, a call for Micro Blog about his book that he's writing about microblogging. Uh, yes. mm-hmm. I-, I backed it. I'm very excited. I have a, a big pledge in it, and he limited his pledges down uh, to um, ten dollars, twenty dollars, up to I think a hundred dollars is the most. And Daniel said. Um, why don't you have like a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars, right? Like don't yeah. like as developers, we are almost scared to take people's money. People want to give us money sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, so, yes. And when they, when they do want to do it, you gotta capture that moment because yeah. Yeah. So I think that I've failed on uh I'll say I think I failed on the the first run of I just had the ads, you couldn't remove them. So mm-hmm. I scrambled essentially to go figure out the in-app purchase APIs. Yeah. And I know that you've been doing them, you have some in your apps for a long time. And what I've learned is that there's actually a lot of different ones. So I am gonna talk about like non-consumables, which is is interesting way of both both Google (laughs) and Apple put it this way. And this is essentially a a product that you offer that the the user can only purchase once uh, and they own it forever kind of like a subscription i guess but it's more like just a permanent artifact it's an upgrade to the pro edition or something like that yeah they, they say that it's like uh you buy a part of a magazine or you buy a game level or something like that you it will never be removed from you you can always restore it and you have access to it so if i wanted to do like game level one two three four five then i would have five con- you know non-consumables that you'd have to buy you don't have to buy buy it and then use it in your application you just have it forever the consumable is the one where you have it um yeah and, this and you, is buying gold coins in the game these are consumable because you buy them but then you can spend them in the game so they go away essentially and so you exactly. can buy them again and buy them again so apple and you say google calls them consumable consumables and then there's essentially subscriptions there's auto renewable and non-renewing <laughs> subscriptions and uh and that's it, basically. Uh, and, and that's kind of cool. And those you have to do more work on, right? Because non-renewing, you're going to have to see when it stops or when it does stuff. And then auto-renewing, you're going to have to also 
make sure yeah. that they actually renew it, right? They could go in and manually stop it. The cool thing with subscriptions that I learned for any of our listeners have never done subscriptions is that if, if you have a year subscription and they pay for it, let's say $9.99, you don't have to worry about them canceling that subscription in that year. They, they've already paid for that year. They can't get their money back from that, right? So it's just the next year or whatever if you do an auto renewable. So that's kind of, that's a nice thing to not have to worry about. Like, oh, they canceled halfway through the month. Like, do I do I still give them the thing? Do I have to, do they get a refund? Like Apple's and Google are like, no, it's you're fine. Yeah, and if anything, you just obey the receipt or whatever that that, that you get back when you originally made the call. I want to note one thing here, though, that uh, we're, you, we mentioned three categories of in-app purchases, uh, non-consumable, I guess, consumable, and then the subscriptions. But I've always had trouble with the subscriptions. It seems that Apple has a real idea in their heads about what subscription-based apps should be, how they act, what kind of content gets fed into them uh, at a regular basis, things like that. And so I've always actually had trouble with subscription. I just want to put that out there. I don't know. I'm just whining a little bit. <laughs> yeah, what so, all have you done in your apps, Frank? because you had a lot more real world experience. And I remember you telling me, oh, James, I already wrote all this code a long time ago for iOS, you know, just take a look at that. So you're, you've traditionally had paid, paid applications, but you changed that on quite a few of your applications and, and dipped your toes in the in-app purchase recently. So what has kind of your experience been on that? You are 80% correct. Uh, the one part you're wrong in is I haven't, uh, I've dipped my toes in, but I haven't put my whole foot in yet. I only have okay. one app that's using it. Okay. Uh, that app's Coca, yeah. So it went from, it's on iOS, it went from a paid app to patron supported. So mm. the idea is I'm not even serving an ad. The only ad I ever serve is an in-house ad for the app itself saying, hey, buy me please buy me. Uh, yeah. Please give me money. Uh, it's the beggar's approach, but I guess we call it patron supported nowadays. And the idea there was I wanted to have a free version of the app because honestly, it's just how the app store works these days. I love my pay for apps, but there's a big difference between getting someone to try a $10 app and someone to try a free app. I mean, mm -hmm. which one would you try? So Probably the free one. Yeah. So I think that's the elephant in the room here that we're all just trying to have ways to get more people to try our apps. And I wanted that. I wanted the free app, but I hate ads. I just, I'd even want them in my own products. So I said, I'm not even doing ad support or, you know, pay to get rid of the ad. I'm doing patron support. So if you want to send me money, please send me money. Otherwise deal with this tiny little thing. <laughs> that's pretty good because um, testing in-app purchases, at least on Google, I cannot remove my own ads from my own app because the <laughs> owner of the application cannot buy its his or hers oh, own no. in-app purchases. Oh, no. I could never even use my own app. That would drive me nuts. <laughs> yeah. I think on iOS you can, but uh, uh, it was pretty annoying. I've had a secret back door in there. You got to yeah. swipe in a white area and <laughs> <laughs> everything goes away. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. And that, that it's kind of like the almost pro now do you unlock any features by doing that at all or no no that was that was a conscientious decision that that's what makes it patron supported rather than true in-app purchases and it's actually what caused a lot of confusion with me trying to get the app approved by apple uh, because at first i was selling the patron support is oh buy three months of the app and then this little annoying ad will come back by six months by a year something like that so to me it. that was a subscription but yeah. uh, like I said before, yeah, Apple has their own ideas and they did not like subscription. So it got turned into a consumable, even though my UI kind of presents it as a subscription. Yeah. And I think that's I think I've seen that before, too. I think I really like how before I talk about how I implemented and why I went with in-app purchases and my pricing scheme around it. Is it like how Overcast does this a lot today? I know that uh, Marco has gone through a lot of iterations of <laughs> yep. monetization of Overcast. Now, I'm a Pocket Cast user myself. I I've purchased that. That's a $4.99 app. I also use Overcast um, from time to time on iPhone. It's, it's a really great application, but it's only on iOS. And Overcast is a good web app, too, mm. uh, for podcasting. Now, what I really like about how, I don't know how Marco did it, but when you go into the settings, I think it's like a pro mode and it will say that 524 people this month have upgraded to pro. <laughs> so it's kind of like, ooh, I want to be in that club, you know? <laughs> like, ooh, can I do that? Like, ooh, I'd that, be that's 525. Cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, of course, you run the risk is what if no one upgrades to pro and then it's just a zero. <laughs> he has some metric in there, right, of what he's showing. Uh, you, you can always do that programmer trick of just add a fixed offset. Everything oh, is yeah. plus 400. <laughs> plus 400. Yeah. Make so I want to talk. Popular. I want to talk about implementation. I want to talk about pricing. Uh, before we do, the, I just want to talk about uh, an a- actually something that I use in my application, a little company called Raygun. Uh, yeah, we've, we've talked about that a lot on the podcast. And again, uh, Raygun is sponsoring Merge Conflict. We cannot thank them enough uh, because they helped me a ton uh, <laughs> this holiday uh, with Scoreboard because they're essentially everything that you need for crash reporting. They'll help you detect and diagnose your software errors. And they also do real user monitoring, so session data, so you can find and fix performance issues. What I love about Raygun is it's a cross-platform uh, API. You download a NuGet package for, for iOS, Android. They have web, JavaScript, SDKs. I mean, they, they integrate into everything, any, any language, any application, you basically name it. It'll automatically, just with a single line of code, pick up uncaught exceptions. You can track your own. You can do user data. It's bananas. It's amazing. I love it. They integrate into all your favorite services like Slack, GitHub. Uh, if you're using BitRise to do continuous integration, I personally wrote a BitRise uh, uh, um, workflow task to upload your DSIM automatically to Raygun because I have an API for that, which is nice. Uh, and they're giving everyone a full 30-day trial if you go to raygun.com slash merge conflict. That's again, raygun.com slash merge conflict. We cannot thank Raygun enough. Thank you, Raygun. Thank you, Raygun. And I have to ask, how has your crash reporting been? Have you had any big crashers? Good. Uh, yeah, mer- the, the Meetup Manager application, I'm not going to lie about it. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Uh, I have some crashes here and there. Sometimes they're my fault. Sometimes there's Amber Forms. You know, it's it's a lot of Android <laughs> things more than iOS. Hmm. Um, surprise, surprise. Uh, Android is a pain in the butt. It's my favorite. Uh, yeah. It's it's really cool to see your apps being used. And even if there are crashes, that means it's it's good. It's used. Not yeah. as many as I would thought. I don't have thousands of users, but um, I would say out of the, let's say, 12 different types of exceptions I have right now, I would say most of them are like reported by me as as, as a caught exception. So there like are a network f- failure, that kind of junk. Exactly, uh, which are trivial and I can be, I can put them yeah. in the ignored pile. I would say I do have some really weird uh, value cannot be null gesture recognizer which i have no idea where that's uh, coming from that's ios they love to throw nulls at you just assume everything can potentially be null yeah so that that could live in my code it could be in the xamarin forms code but i i have it so i can report it back and really good stack trace it tells me literally exactly where it's at it is on the xamarin forms platform context scroll view delegate clear closer recognition <laughs> are you staring at a stack trace <laughs> i am will end dragging cause that exception uh probably something in the stack I'll, I'll report that but it's really good it's great um it's good and and it actually helped me with the in-app purchases because testing in-app purchases oh. is terrible oh it is preach it preach it terrible. More negative bring out the negative <laughs> so so you you go through learning all the in-app purchase and I will actually say that the APIs for iOS and Android, iOS, like every API in iOS, what a great looking API. It's a great, great looking API. I'm not even going to lie about it. it. Okay. Is that like a, a shaded insult, like great looking API, but doesn't work? What are you saying? No, what, man. It, okay. It's great it's looking sunshine. and great working. It is, uh, it is sunshiny outside. I am not throwing shade <laughs> at, uh, at <Awesome>. all. <laughs> now, I think that some of ours are like, there's a lot of delegates going on. So you have to do some like, you know, yeah. crazy task stuff. Well, it's a very no, really... system because uh, yeah. someone tries to make a pur- purchase. A lot of things can go wrong. Like they could cancel out of the dialogue. They can enter the credit card information or a password incorrectly. They could purchase a different thing. Who knows? Lots mm-hmm. of things can happen. So there's lots yeah. of events to handle. Yeah, and so in this application specifically, um, the code for in-app purchase for iOS is about 300 lines of code that does getting, like, requesting the purchase, restoring purchases, getting product information, um, and getting all of my purchases that maybe I've done. Mm -hmm. About 300 on iOS. On Android, it's about 650. (laughs) Okay. And here's the problem with, so here's the problem with Android, too. So... So, so let's say you figure it all out <clears throat> and I'll get into the implementation terribleness too. 
is that all of them, the testing part is hard because on iOS, it's like, okay, you have to set up your application, then you have to set up your um, uh, your in-app purchase, you know, consumable or non-consumable, then inside your application, you have to deploy it, of course, on a physical device only. So let's go ahead and LLVM compiler our application every time we want to make a change. Ooh, right. And then, um, and then you have to set up a test iTunes user account. You have to log out of, you have, you have to know all this too. You have to log <laughs> yeah. out of your account in iTunes uh, you have to make Try sure that you're... Try to remember the password. I can never remember my test account passwords. Mm-hmm. I've created three or four different test accounts because sometimes those test accounts get invalidated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have to yeah, log in with that user, but only inside your application, not through iTunes, and hope that the iTunes server will return something to you or else you get a random, can't connect to iTunes. Not just that, but if you actually read the documentation, they're like, do not log into iTunes. It will corrupt everything. It will corrupt World everything. War start, World War Three will start. Terrible things will happen. So the whole time, it's not just like, oh, this is annoying. This is, I can't make a mistake. I can't make a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> You're just constantly yeah. doubting everything. So I'm pretty sure I made that terrible mistake and my application, <laughs> I could not debug at all, at all. So you know oh. how I did it for iOS? printf log statements i i I essentially did a whole bunch of analytics on it and i uploaded it to test flight (laughs) test flight okay gotcha because i could not i literally could not test every time i would do something in the application it would return an error code back to me Uh zero and i I looked for days on stack overflow and people like make sure that your version numbers are the same make sure your date times are correct i'm like i've done this a hundred (laughs) times so So, this is uh itunes metadata mismatch with your app is that what you're assuming or you're just assuming your app is busted (laughs) i i think what happened is this is i think that i didn't know what i was doing in itunes connect so i set up the features which are the in-app products and at that point, I think I had created a consumable when I wanted a non-consumable. So I removed or canceled the consumable. So I think it mm-hmm. it doesn't know how to receive product. Like it wasn't returning any products at all. Uh, but as soon as I uploaded it to test flight, it worked fine. Yep. So I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to the mysterious dark corners of iTunes Connect. Yes. Yeah. Then here's my favorite part, Frank, is that I then created a file blank application, went to iTunes Connect, created a new application, created a feature, and it worked instantly on my device without going to test flight or anything. I'm puzzled. I'm not. Puzzled. I have nothing to contribute here other than silent giggles. Silent yeah. giggling. Yeah, but wait until you get to, to get to Android. This is great. Um so well, this is Google. One. This is their wheelhouse. They love selling things, right? This is going to be super easy. You're going to generate a GUID, use some key generator, JavaScript app, Java app, uh, upload that certificate, and done. Yeah. So let upload me tell time. you. So before you can even start testing, you here's the oh my god. So you to to even create a um, in app billing product, so a consumable or non-consumable, you have to have at least published your application in alpha or beta with a special Uh vending permission Uh to then enable you to do it. So you have to have published an application where you requested a permission before you can even start testing or integrating anything. Okay, but it's not so different from what you just said with iOS, but okay. I didn't have to publish an application to test it though. Yeah, you test flighted, but okay, right. Yeah. But, but, you know, in the real world, I wouldn't have to test flight it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to debug locally. So then you create it. You have to make sure that it's published and active, the product. Um, and what's really interesting is that to test it, the version numbers have to be the same of whatever you're doing local with what's on the server. Mm-hmm. You have to sign your debug version with your key mm-hmm. store. So um, it has to be signed correctly. Then you have to make sure that you cannot be signed in with your developer account so you can't oh, use your test phone you have to use another test phone yeah uh that you can use and it, it, it's really crazy just like going through uh, i there's so much troubleshooting so for <laughs> instance i have this troubleshooting section it's like if you see you can you need to sign into your google account i say this is my troubleshooting for android this most likely means that you don't have items published and active if you see the version of your application is not configured for billing through google play this means the version version numbers don't match and you don't have the app configured to sign correctly with your key store. 
if you see the publisher cannot purchase this item, this means that you're trying to buy it with a developer account and this isn't allowed. You need a different account. Guess who ran into all of those? I did. <laughs> okay, well, um, I don't mind bureaucracy as long as someone's holding my hand. So did you get good error messages? Come on, say something positive. Well, you know, I, I get these error messages back, which is you need to sign into your Google account. So I then take that and I go to Stack Overflow and then I go read the, the documentation. <laughs> That's what I do, you know. Um, it was so how fine. long did it take you? Ballpark it for me. One, one angry night or like a week of angry nights? Uh, iOS took me three days to figure out. Okay. Um, Android was a, was a was about four or five hours to just get the testing working. Um <laughs> And then it's interesting because once you actually buy something with Google, the only way to retest it again is to actually consume it. So I had to create a consuming API, even though it's not actually consumable, but it's in the test configuration where it is consumable. But uh, it, it's really crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what's interesting about the Android security is iOS. You, have, you, have you ever had to do any of the, the in-app purchase for Google? Never. I've avoided it. So iOS, you, your application is just there, right? It's just, you write some code to, um, it's called StoreKit, and you call out to StoreKit, and it handles it for you. Mm-hmm. Easy. With and, yeah, with Android, it's a little bit different. You make this request out to Google Play, and if they purchase it, you get like a signed piece of data back with a signature. And what you have to do is you actually have to use... Um, um, uh, where is it at? I have it in my code down It's going to be like an XML blob or a JSON blob, and I parse it and then figure stuff out. Is that what it is? But the data is signed with a private key from Google server, and you have a public key, which you have to decode. Is it encrypted or just signed? Uh, it is signed. It is not encrypted. Okay. It is signed. Gotcha. So if you want to do proper verification, which they highly recommend. Yeah. supposed to check the signature. You check the signature. How do you check a signature? Well, you have a public key. <laughs> Yeah. This public key is in in your mind actually is your private key to be honest with you because only you should have it or else other people could forge this. Um so what do you do with that public key? Well, you have to put it in your application, obviously, or else you're going to write a back-end server of somehow. Call the somehow. public key. Should be okay with this. <laughs> uh, in the documentation it says specifically do not embed this key into your application. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, security experts, please yeah, right in. Uh, I, I semi understand <laughs> asymmetric key encryption, but yeah. This one's tricky. So Obviously. what I did is I, yeah, so what I did is I ran, I have, so so I, what I did is I, I, I took some recommendations from Stack Overflow and I uh, XORed my key. I broke it into three parts, XORed oh those my keys. Oh God, you rot 13 your key. Yeah. <laughs> you did and the then, most basic encryption of your public key. Jackpot. Jackpot, single-way encryption of a public key. It's so weird. Yep, it works. So what does Google recommend that you do? Are you supposed to, like, a server is supposed to sign it or something? You're supposed to have a server flow. And and what I actually, you're supposed to have some sort of server flow where you validate. But then who's just thought to spoof that they spoof your server calls if they break into your app? Well, you can have a certificate on your server, but yes, yes. (laughs) So that's what you would have is you'd have a certificate on your server and and things like that. And then you architect your code in a way that there's like multiple calls. And to me, I'm making an application that not that many people are going to use. So I'm not going to become the (laughs) next. I'm not running uh, a server. I'm just not. not going to run a server. So that's what I did. And uh, it was fun. This whole process was a great learning experience to the point where I said, I'm going to write this code again. So I'm going to put it in a plugin. Yeah. So uh, for, for I'm those excited. that don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll promote your plugin project so you don't have to. Uh, James's mm-hmm. plugin project is we have cross platform UI, but there's other things that need to be cross platform, like interfacing with devices and interfacing with app stores. And James has created the plugin ecosystem where you can get all this cross platform code. How was it's that? It's pretty great. Usually, what I do is I go to NuGet, I type in my name. And then I just download all my packages. Just a vanity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Give me all the James. You know what? I, and I can't take credit for all of this. John Dick Reth, uh, who is an amazing, amazing developer on our components team, he really wrote all this code for one of his apps. He had already interfaced it. I just had to revert it from some of, a lot of his hard-coded values, put it in a oh. nice interface, do this encryption thing. Um, so him and I wrote this basically together. And I released a 1.0, which I'm using in my applications 
And the API is connect async, get purchase async, or no, sorry, purchase async, purchase. disconnect async, and you're done. Uh, so so, okay. There's got to be a function call to get your past purchases or not. Once they're gone, they're gone. So you can purchase an item, you can get past purchases, you can get product yeah. information, oh, and you it. can, yeah, that's it. Good enough. <laughs> yeah. And you can do subscriptions and non-consumables and a consumable API is coming. Um, yes, please. Yes. And I even give you all of the helper methods to XOR your own application. Uh, awesome. Keys. Yes. So what's the title of the project on the GitHub again? It is called In-App Billing Plugin. In-App Billing Plugin. Easy. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's out there. It's there's a little bit there's lots of documentation. Uh, there's already a pull request for UWP from somebody in the community. So that will <laughs> go in eventually. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, and that kind of led down to the implementation because on Android, it's actually really difficult, right? Because you have to add, know these permissions. My plugin handles the permissions for you. On Android, you actually have to take these things called AIDL files. Uh, Android IDL. Wonderful. Yes. And these are essentially interface libraries that you have yeah. to use and bundle in. So I do that for you in this library. So what happened was, is I was going through this process. And of course, I started with Android because I'm an Android fanboy. And I go, I'm going to learn this API. And I go to John and go, um, I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, oh, I already did this. And here's all the code. And here's the, the, the libraries, the binding projects. So this library handles it for you. And it it, it, it does require JSON.net because I needed to deserialize some JSON. But um yeah, I, I handled it really well. I won't get into details because I don't want to talk about it too much, but I just wanted to kind of talk through some of the pain of in-app purchases. <laughs> did, yeah. did we do that? Did we get to enough pain or were we overly positive? Because I think this was a pretty negative episode. <laughs> um, in-app, so now that I have it done, I've integrated in-app purchases in a meetup manager in about an hour, just because I just go through the process and the rigmarole of putting in the code. And I put in each application, I have a little you know, sitting in the toolbar that says like remove ads and things like that in the settings. And uh, it's gonna be out there. They're not live yet. I'm still going through multiple testing phases. I'm, I'm glad I didn't do it for a V1. I'm just kind of glad that I got it out there so people can start using it instead of trying to do this whole thing. But uh, it's out there. Yeah. Yeah. And check it out because while the native APIs are always fun and you can always learn something from them, it's nice when an experienced programmer <laughs> simplifies it and smooths it over a little. Go yeah. grab it. Yeah. Uh, and what's interesting about this, so you, you, like, you had already gone through a lot of it. You, you, you had a, a similar experience. Yeah. I would say one thing I want to talk about was how did you handle, because uh, inevitably someone's going to make a purchase and you in your application have to track that and keep track yeah. of it. I, and I want to kind of not talk the entire episode, even though I probably am. So <laughs> I literally just went through this. So it's, it's hot on the top of my mind. Uh, okay. How did yeah. you tackle storing that information like that, that they had purchased the, the, the in-app thing? Yeah. So in my case, uh, because I have kind of a subscription model, that's how I'm presenting it to the user that this thing's good for three or six months. Basically, mm. I need to store the fact that they purchased it on this date and it's this duration long. And so to actually handle that, I actually have two in-app purchases people can make, one for six months, one for a year. And based on that, I enter an entry into a server. Now, you know me, I hate servers. I really don't want to <laughs> run a server. <laughs> but I mentioned in a previous episode that uh, if you're writing just an iOS app, then um, you get iCloud for free. And iCloud is a very simple API, actually, just for tossing some data up on a server and fetching it down. Now, it does mean one important thing in that people who don't have iCloud can't actually buy my app. It's actually a check I do before they do the purchase. Oh. I check if they're logged into iCloud or not and whether I actually have right access to a database. Hmm. So for that, all I need to do is uh, when I say 
whenever they say purchase, I just look at the ID of the item they purchased. From that, I figure out the start and stop times for that. And mine's a little funny. It's actually cumulative. So I allow you to buy three month, buy three month, buy three month, buy three month, and it'll just keep incrementing a counter. So my table's a little sophisticated so it can handle merging it all together because I don't want people to buy a bunch of three months and then it only work for three months. That'd be dumb be oh, unfair yeah so i yeah, wanted maybe. it to be cumulative so i actually have just a tiny bit of database work just to you know keep updating this integer laying around That's somewhere. pretty good That's yeah pretty good and it worked yeah. out pretty well a little bit of code i had to test uh but the nice thing is it's icloud it's pretty much if they're connected to the internet it's gonna work uh it's free <laughs> and i just have that one little limitation but most people have some icloud the free icloud at least yeah you would think they'd have oh that's interesting yeah so I, and I'm, super yeah. easy in fact. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I had thought about going down that route. And when Google was like, you need the server flow, you need this thing. I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. seems so complicated. Uh, and I needed to be cross platform. I may bring this app to UWP in the future. So I go, well, I know yeah. if I can make a purchase and I can restore purchases, the, the real thing that you want to do is essentially on if someone uninstalls your app or gets a new phone, they load it up again, the purchases are restored, right? That's kind of the worry, I would say. Mm-hmm. So what I did, and and this is uh, not best practice, but <laughs> I just created a little setting in my settings plugin, which would be yeah. like shared preferences and NS user defaults. Yep. And it has a key that has some random name in it. So people can't figure out what the Boolean is. And it's essentially like, did you, did you buy the in-app purchase? Yes or no? Yeah. And if you bought the in-app purchase then I remove the ads from the view. And when you go to the settings page, it says, thank you. You are awesome. Uh, and if you didn't, then you can, rest- you can buy again, which also restores, which is kind of nice. If it's a non-consumable, yeah. if they try to buy it again, it'll just restore it. So, yeah, very uh, good. or they hit restore and the ads go away. That's it. Boom. So I love this. Uh, there's just two drawbacks to this. One is, um, y- yes, that key is guessable, but uh, m- my philosophy on that is if someone learned how to hack your app, let them just hack your app. Like it's not worth mm-hmm. it. Don't, <laughs> don't try to defeat hackers. They're always yeah. going to be smarter than you. Uh, and then the second one, the one reason I didn't do it with the settings is because those don't get propagated to different uh, synchronized with different devices. And I didn't uh, want a situation where I buy uh, time in my app, add free time in my app on my phone, and then I have to pay again for my iPad. I just didn't want that. Yeah, that's, that's where the, the cloud. Yep. That's where the subscription comes in. That would be yes. nice if they would have let you do it because then right. that <laughs> account has a subscription with a, right. a, a purchase date, which is very clear. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But I was emulating right. subscriptions with consumables. So yeah, I had to record that data myself somewhere. Which seems like that's probably a, a popular way of doing it, especially if Apple forced you to kind of go down that route. Because I've seen these patron yeah. things quite a few times. What it is, they're just very sensitive about which apps and uh, features that these apps should fulfill if they're going to be subscription. Whereas if you just mark your thing as consumable, I don't, I don't think they look that closely at it. They're just like, whatever, explain it well to the user. That's all they look Makes for. Sense. Makes sense. And uh, what I really liked was, and you have multiple tiers to your in-app purchases. Uh, and I was going to, someone said, can I give you 99 cents to <laughs> remove these ads? Yeah. I was going to say, you can give me a dollar 99 yeah. uh, to do it. And then Frank came along <laughs> and, and told me, and, and this is where I talk about pricing of, I think this is a common scenario. This is why I kind of like this episode and, and talking about this is because over the last three years that I've, I've, I've been so public in the Xamarin space is a lot of people ask me is how do you do ads? How do you do in-app purchases? Cause you see this a very, it's a very reoccurring pattern. And I do often see 99 cents, but uh, you had yeah. a good point, right? Which uh, is- whatever. You don't make money on 99 cents. <laughs> I think that was my whole point. <laughs> I mean, there's just numbers where the number of users that you need in order to make money is just crazy. And 99 cents is one of those numbers. It's a good number because it's cheap. A lot of people will do it. It's just amazing that you'll like blow through a thousand people and, you know, make a day's salary, I guess, hopefully. And uh, it's a thousand people (laughs) and you still only made that little amount of money. So 99 cents, it's very consumer friendly, but it's pretty developer hostile. Yeah. 
So I went with two ninety nine. I settled in the middle. You said three or four ninety nine. I, I said four ninety nine. Uh, th- that theory is quite simple. That uh, the people who use your app must really like it, and so they'd be willing to part with a few bucks to get rid of an ad. And it's really just knowing your market at that point. Um, yeah. And it's my, not a my paywall. whole thing is, I, I hate to have small prices simply because you need sustainable prices. You need something that is making you enough money that you're going to keep working on the app. And I think users recognize that. I've been yelled at before for having too low of prices where people are like, we want you to keep updating this app. Let us pay more. Yeah, I think so. And I think if, I think if, um, I think if scoreboard was more like if it was going to evolve into the next ultimate scoreboarding application, (laughs) I will say, I think I have one of the best app icons in the app store and some of the prettiest UI. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, People really seem to be like it. code mash. People downloaded it after I talked uh, about it and I got some really good feedback. I I said it was the app that you didn't know that you needed on your phone until (laughs) I told you about it. It's also the app I've mentioned every time that we're playing a board game. I'm like, I should really write a scorekeeping app. <laughs> exactly. You should just write. Yeah, I'm sure you can write your own, but you should download mine. I'll have a link uh, in the show notes. And what's cool about it is I also wrote a blog post announcing it. And I also did a how I made it in a week blog post. So lots of good stuff on that. So, yeah. Yeah, milk that puppy. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to. You got to. Oh, my goodness. It's been a long episode, Frank. Long episode. I, I don't know how we talked 50 minutes about in-app purchases. It's something I actually, like, squirm about because it's money-related. It's technical. It's annoying server stuff. But hopefully uh, hopefully we got some demons out here. Hopefully. And, and I hope, I, I, you know... I hope that people enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, and if you didn't, you can reach us on multiple <laughs> avenues. Uh, you can tweet directly at us at Merge Conflict FM. You can leave us uh, a review in the iTunes store. Um, hopefully just write good things. And then you can say, you know, they did ramble about in-app purchases a little bit too long, but we would appreciate that. <laughs> um, either way, it's totally fine. You can email us mergeconflictfm at gmail.com. We, we read those. We, we totally read them all the time. We're addicted to knowing what you guys think about our podcast. We always want to improve it. Uh, and of course, um, yeah, you can find both of us on Twitter. We, we love yeah, it. That's where we hang out. That's what yeah. we do. That's our work. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's about it for, I think, this week on Merge Conflict. I want to thank again uh, Raygun for sponsoring Merge Conflict. Uh, and I am James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening. <laughs>